This podcast is a Bendy Geddig Media production. Hello, I'm Michael Sheen, and you are listening to a Touchline Rant podcast. Hello, you are listening to episode 130 of a Touchline Rant podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, a very different feel this week, as you'll only hear this voice. So get used to it. If you want me to speak in hushed tones, I would say let me know, but you can't. It's a recording. So I'll speak as I speak. And hopefully you don't feel like it's nails on a chalkboard. Um, This week, I'm going to be taking you down memory lane. I'm going to be taking you through my favourite tournament of all time. The, the best tournament of all time. Now, I think it's generational because depending on your age I think you know we all have that one football tournament that reminds us of our youth and was the first major football tournament that we uh, can remember and we can you know cling on to this was mine and it will forever have a special place in my heart uh, I still remember it clearly and it, it it brought me to life it was it was such a wonderful wonderful tournament um, and we are going to dive deep into it. So, ladies and gentlemen, strap yourselves in as a touchline rant talk you through Euro 96. to go are you all ready you all been to the toilet have you got some snacks you got a drink strapped in then i will begin the date is the 8th of june the year is 1996 killing me softly is the number one song in the uk charts and from dusk till dawn robert rodriguez and quentin tarantino's vampire epic is the number one movie in the UK box office, which is something I didn't expect when I checked this back. Girl power is not yet a thing. It is a simpler time. It's a, maybe not a kinder time, but it is a, it's a different time. Manchester United have just completed the domestic double by beating Liverpool in the FA Cup final with an Eric Cantona goal. Football is here. It's, it's all around us. And we're all excited by something. And that is because the European Championships, the second biggest international football tournament in the world, arguably, is about to arrive on our shore. 8th of June, 1996. It kicks off at Wembley Stadium. The opening game is England versus Switzerland. Don't look back on it. It's a bit boring. But it starts. Now... This may be the only time we ever experience a, a huge international football tournament on our shores. Now, you've got Euro 21, which it still feels weird, but Euro 2020, now 21, will be featured 
we'll have some games on these shores, but it's not the same. We all know it's not the same. A tournament should be in one country. Um, best two. And it should be a celebration of all things that, for that nation as well. This was, it was, it was exciting. It was, it was, a, it was brilliant to have it in this country. It was, it was genuinely exciting. And I, I look back now and I think as much as I adored this tournament, as much as I loved it. And uh, oh, I can't even begin to tell you how fondly I look back on this tournament. It almost feels as though I didn't fully appreciate it. I was 11. Um, well, I wasn't even yet 11 when this game, uh, when <laughs> on the 8th of June, I was soon to turn 11. I would turn 11 during this tournament. And I didn't appreciate the full, the impact of having a huge tournament on our shores. It was, I was looking back now, if, if this happened again, it, I would treat it completely differently. But through those young eyes, all I knew was that you had some of the, the biggest and best international teams and international players coming over here to try and claim an amazing prize. You had Denmark, who had surprisingly won it in 92, trying to retain. Um, Peter Schmeichel, in the form of his life, arguably, this is maybe not peak of his power. I'd argue this is this is absolute prime Schmeichel, more so than during the, the 99 treble year. You had, let me run you through the groups. You had Group A, which was England, Switzerland, Netherlands and Scotland. You had England versus Scotland and it was going to be played in England. It's huge. Group B, you have France, Bulgaria, Romania and Spain. Group C was Germany, Italy, Russia and the Czech Republic. And Group D was Turkey, Denmark, Croatia and Portugal. They're big groups with big teams and big players. Let me just list you some of the players that played in this tournament. You had Brian Laudrup. You had a young Zinedine Zidane, Luis Figo, Boban, Suka, Klinsman, Sama, who would later go on to win player of the tournament. Sama was a rock and is vastly, vastly overlooked when it comes back to greatest midfielders of all time. Matea Sama was a was superb. Laurent Blanc, you had Stoichkov, Patrick Kluivert, Dennis Bergkamp, Clarence Seydorf, Ali McCoist, Colin Hendry. All the greats. All of them. It was a who's who. The excitement of a major tournament being in the UK is... It can't be underestimated. Obviously, it was... It's the first one since 66. I can't remember who won the World Cup in 66. Sorry, off the top of my head. No one really talks about it. Um... The games will be played at Wembley, Old Trafford, Anfield, Villa Park, St James's Park, the City Ground, Hillsborough and Ellen Road. It read like like a, a huge FA Cup semi-final back when they were played at neutral grounds, not Wembley. It was there was there was something in the air about it. It also turned out to be a t the the last mate, I mean Feel free to come at me and say that I'm wrong, but it feels like it was the last major tournament where clubs used it and bought the best some of the best players from it. It's now quite rightly seen, really, as a, as not a really a great idea to buy off the back of a of a of a great international tournament. No one had told people in '96 this. 
No one had let managers know this. So you had the likes of Jordi Cruyff and Karol Poborski uh, going to Manchester United at the end of this tournament. You had Patrick Berger going to Liverpool. Berger was definitely <laughs> the most successful of those. Um, no one does it really anymore. No one buys off the back of tournaments. Probably based on how those players did at their clubs, to be fair. But they didn't matter because we didn't know all of this at the time. It was so exciting. And you had great games as well. Like you had superb games, more of which, some of which we'll go into a bit later. But you had genuinely exciting moments. You had you had the England team going into it. And we'll, we'll talk about England in greater depth later on. But you had the England team going into this off the back of the, the dentist chair incident. Now, if you, you don't know what the dentist chair is, you either, you know, are too young to remember it. Uh, or have just forgotten. I don't know how you've could have forgotten. It was it was it was insane. They were going into this tournament with Terry Venables as manager as well. <laughs> Terry Venables, El Tell. Back when he was seen as an actual proper manager, not just a celebrity. Um, Terry Venables. You had them. You had an incident when they were all on their holly bobs where some of the players and the drinking culture of the time this is lads mag era uk and you had players of teddy sheringham uh darren anderton paul gascoigne steve McManaman performing doing this dentist chair where someone would sit in a chair lean back and you'd get booze pouring into poured into your mouth it is an iconic picture and it was one that the tabloids obviously and rightly so tore the team apart for and England went into this tournament probably under the most, some of the most amount of pressure that they ever have, which is bizarre because they always go into tournaments under pressure in this country, like regardless of their form or previous experience in, and history in tournaments. They're always under pressure to win it. Let's, I've set the scene. That was me setting the scene. Now let's dive into I'm going to pick apart two things from this tournament which are worthy of their own section. One will be the Czech Republic, the surprise package. But first, let's talk England. We're not creative enough. We're not positive enough. It's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming Football's coming home. We'll go on getting back. So getting back. So getting back. You can't talk England in this tournament without talking three lions. It is, it's become an anthem. Now, whether you like it or not, it has. It's become an absolute anthem, which is played every time England do anything of note. Uh, most recently, obviously, in the last World Cup, where it was adopted again. Uh, I would argue it's more iconic uh, than World in Motion. I know some people will argue that it's not, but for me, it well, again, I think this comes down to how old you are. I think if you're a couple of years older than I am, um, then probably World in Motion is your tournament song. I argue that this is the best tournament song of all time. Um, some people hate it, rightly so. They got sick and tired of hearing it, but I remember as that, that, 10 year old child 
playing it non-stop. Non-stop. I have... I've probably heard that song more than I've heard any other song in history, which is scary, really, because it was sung by Frank Skinner and David Baddiel. Um, they were riding off the back of their their fame and notoriety on their fantasy football show here in the UK um, for our international listeners. And it, it just became... It was you couldn't move for hearing it to the point where other nations adopted it. Somewhat the same as um in the in the last Euros where Will Grigg was on fire, um, and you had other nations singing that he was on fire even though they didn't he didn't play for him. But it has charted at number one in the UK on more than one occasion. It charted at number one in the UK more than one occasion this summer. It was. Uh, number one prior to the Fuji's killing me softly. It was number one after the Fuji's killing me softly. Uh, it also came back in ninety eight. They re they released another version in ninety eight. They've released a couple of versions now. Nothing beats the original. Um, but you cannot talk England without talking Three Lions. You just you cannot. Now, let's get on to the football, shall we? England, as we've previously said, started this in a group with the Netherlands, Scotland, and Switzerland. Which, in hindsight, you look back and you think, well, they should be getting out of that group. Uh, they did get out of the group, but it was uh, the easiest game on paper turned out to be the most difficult, which was their opening game against Switzerland. It was a one-all draw. Like I said in the in like I said in the last section, don't look, go back on it. It's not worth your time, honestly. Um, when it is worth your time is when they beat Scotland two 0 because of the Gaza goal. Now. This is one of the reasons why this tournament, 50% of this tournament at least, belonged to England. Gaza was on ridic in ridiculous form in this tournament. He had wound the year the clock back and he was playing out of his skin. He, he brutalised Scotland. He was all over the place with his, with his freshly bleached blonde hair. The goal that he scores in the Scotland game He's one of my favourite goals of all time. He just doesn't give him a chance. He's, oh, it's it's Gaza at his absolute peak. If you haven't seen it, press pause, go to YouTube, watch it. It's it's amazing. And then his celebration is the dentist chair. It's everything you want from Paul Gascoigne, really. After they beat Scotland two 0 they they. They slap away the old enemy, as it were. They then put in one of the greatest performances any England side has ever given by beating the Netherlands four one. Like, and this this is a this is a solid Netherlands side. You got the De Boers, you got Cliver, you got Seedorf. It's it's a it's a very 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 strong Netherlands side. So in arguably what what was definitely seen as their hardest game on paper, they put in one of their greatest ever performances. They come away four one winners. They were they were brilliant, England during this group. They were superb. They got off to a slow start and then they just got onto the pace. The next game wasn't as good, but they still come away with a victory. They play Spain in the quarterfinals. Now, few things about this game. After I've gone back and watched it. Spain had two goals disallowed, one of which stood should have stood. Um, 
Salinas scores and he's a judge to be offside. He wasn't. Tony Adams plays him onside. That goal should have stood. They also have two claims for penalties turned down. England are holding on. Now, England have been seen as a team, and still are, that don't get much luck. But they get all the luck they can in this game, and it goes to penalties. Now, England don't have a great track record in penalties, but they they fight, they win a shootout. They beat Spain. They beat them 4-2 with Stuart Pearce exercising his demons from Turin and coolly slotting home. Seaman saves a penalty as well. One of them's blasted over. England by right should not have gone in, have gone through, but they did. They somehow get through and they get to the semi the semi-finals. Again, benefit of hindsight, you look back on this and you think, well, it was probably the peak of their power was the Netherlands game. And it all went downhill from there. But it didn't matter at the time. You didn't feel that way because you thought, well, they've won a penalty shootout. There is there is a great sense and a great belief in the country that England can win this thing. They can win it. It might actually be coming home. They then draw Germany in the semi-finals and they actually put in a much better performance against Germany than they do against Spain. Um, Shearer gives them a 1-0 lead very early on. It's after three minutes. After three minutes, they take a 1-0 lead against Germany. I can still remember the roar from that came out of my Manchester-born father's lungs when that goal went in. My neighbours still can. Um, unfortunately, Stefan Kuntz evens after 15. And then it, it goes to extra time. It stays at one all, And it goes to extra time. It's at this moment where you realise that England's luck has run out. Shearer puts a ball across the box. And Gaza is stretching to reach it. And he just can't get it. And this is golden goals are in, are in operation at this tournament. Can't do it. He can't reach it. His legs need to be... Go-go gadget legs needs to come into operation here. Can't do it. Flies past him. Misses out. It goes to penalties. Actually, it doesn't go to penalties because Kuntz has another goal disallowed. I forgot about that. It, this tournament, honestly, so much stuff happens when you look back on it. Kuntz has a goal disallowed. I say rightly so. Um, but yeah, it goes to penalties. Now, both sides score their first five. <laughs> it's five all. In penalties, no one is take is blinking here. Up steps Gareth Southgate. Not yet wearing a waistcoat, but he's probably eyed him up in CNA. And he misses. And then Andreas Muller scores and sends Germany to the final. Heartbreak. Still remember it. I remember again the sound that came out of my dad. It's expected. Because he didn't think that they beat Germany to begin with. But after watching how well they did for 90 minutes, it's a cruel way to leave the tournament. It's an extremely cruel way. Football's not coming home. It's at this point that Germany adopt the song as their own. In another twist of twist in the knife in. But they need to... England hold their heads up high. They carry on. They did well. We look back on this and think... They probably performed better than we could have expected them to.
if you're honest, looking at the side. And it remains one of the greatest moments of English football, despite them losing in the semi-final. There's another team in this tournament, though, that deserve as many plaudits, if not more. And that's who we're going to talk about next. Let's turn our eyes to the Czech Republic. Oh, Poboski, it's owned up for him, and he's lifted it over the goalkeeper. It's a magnificent finish, and the Czech Republic have produced a goal worthy of the quarterfinal. The surprise package of this entire tournament was the Czech Republic. Nobody would have expected them to do anything at all. They go into it, rightly so, as 66 to 1 outsiders to win it. This is the the fact that they then do so well in this tournament is Leicester City esque. They they're drawn in a group with Germany, Italy, and Russia. Now anybody, including the Czech Republic themselves, would have looked at that and thought, well, it's going to be a toss up between Russia and the Czech Republic for who finishes bottom of that group. They start off as expected by losing two nil to Germany. No one bats an eyelid because that's what that's what is meant to happen. They're meant to lose to Germany, obviously. Um, they then second group game is against Italy. Again, you go into it and you think, well, obviously, obviously Italy are going to win. It's 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 done. It's finished. No one ever thinks that the Czech Republic are going to do anything against Italy, but they do. They beat them. They beat Italy two one. <laughs> The the seismic shift that that causes, it, it could probably still be felt at the World Cup ninety eight because it's it's at that moment that you that people kind of looked up and thought well, that's that's a bit odd because then they know they're going into a great game against Russia so suddenly this team that could finish that you're thinking well they'll probably finish bottom at best they'll finish third they've beaten Italy and they've got to play Russia next. And you think, well, they if they can beat Italy, surely they can beat Russia. They don't. But what happens is that it. this is where the tournament throws up the greatest game of the entire summer. It's half-time and the Czech Republic are leading 2-0. They've put, produced a great first-half performance. They're staying so solid at the back and they're looking dangerous going forward. They then proceed to almost throw it all away as they can see three goals to Russia. Russia come back, and it's 3-2. Now, I urge you all, go back and watch the highlights of this game. It is phenomenally good. Then, the 88th minute, they score. They level the scores. It's 3-0. Late, late drama. That 3-0 draw not only sends home Russia, as expected... But it also sends home Italy. The Czech Republic, who were one of the one of the least fancied sides in any tournament's history, any tournament, have done it and they've qualified. They've gone through. In the quarterfinals, they face Portugal. Karol Poborski produces an individual moment of genius to score a fantastic goal again go back and watch it he he sees a goalkeeper off his line and he chips him after fight working his way into the box his 
cocker spaniel-esque locks flying through the breeze. And he chips the keeper and they beat Portugal 1-0. Like, this fairy tale is something it keeps on giving. It's, it's Disney couldn't have written a better football fairy tale than this up to this point. They have somehow started the tournament with a 2-0 loss and they've just beaten Portugal in the quarterfinals. Unreal. The Czech Republic are through to the semi-finals of a major international tournament. How has this happened? You always get a rank outsider at a tournament. But this is the first time really where they, they capture the nation's hearts. They do so more after the semi-finals because they play France in the semi-finals. Now, it's a nil-nil. It's, it's not really the best of games, to be honest. Um, but the the very fact that they they take France to full-time, nil-nil. And this is a France with Blanc, Zidane, Jorkaev, Dugary. They've got a very good squad, France. It, it's nil-nil. After extra time, it goes to penalties. Again, it's another game. They all score their first five. It's five all. And then Pedros misses for France. Pedros misses the sixth penalty. And Kadlic steps home. Slots it home for Czech Republic. And the Czech Republic are in the finals of Euro 96. How is this a thing? How has it happened? No one can believe it. Nobody. It's... It's breathtaking that they got there. They're in the final where they play Germany. It's at this moment that they then become everybody's favourite side, unless you are German. I would go out on a limb and say there wasn't a single person in the rest of Europe who wanted Germany to win. Everyone loves a plucky outsider. Everyone loves an underdog. The Czech Republic are the biggest underdogs of probably any international tournament ever up to this point. You could argue maybe Denmark in Euro 92. But they you, Denmark hadn't done it in the way that the Czech Republic have. The Czech Republic have beaten Italy, Portugal and France. I'll say those, three, those nations again. Italy, Portugal and France to get to the Euros final. It's breathtaking. What makes it even better is they take a lead against Germany. They go 1-0 up. Patrick Berger scores in the 59th minute with a penalty. Absolute scenes. They could do it. They could actually do it. They're on the cusp of it. They haven't conceded. If you go back across, they haven't conceded that many goals in the knockout stages. Portugal couldn't score past them. France couldn't score past them. Unfortunately, Germany can. Olivia Bearhoff scores. Olivia Bearhoff scores, pulls it level. It then goes to extra time. It's one all. And it's at this moment that one of the, unless, again, unless you're from Germany, one of the cruelest things to ever happen in international football happens. Olivia Bearhoff slots home. Germany become the first nation to win a major international tournament with a golden goal. Oh, it's heartache. It's absolute heartache. I mean, fair play to Germany. They've done exceedingly well throughout this tournament. Germany have been, as 
as stereotypically German as they as they probably ever have done. They they have done exactly what they needed to do. And as Gary Lineker has said, football is a game of, of, of two teams playing each other and in the end Germany win. And they do. And they pick up their they pick up the trophy for Euro ninety six. But they don't pick up the hearts of Europe. That belong they belong to the Czech Republic. That belongs to Karol Poborski and Patrick Berger. These players win something probably a bit more important than that trophy. They win the respect of people who didn't previously respect them. They do what every outsider wants to do, like Denmark had done, like Cameroon had done in 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 Italia ninety. They like Turkey would later go on to do in the Euros and Russia would later to go on to do in later editions of the Euros. They they've become the benchmark of the plucky underdog. And when you look back on this tournament like I have done, you remember just how exciting they actually were. And it's at this moment that if I had a cap, I would doff it to the Czech Republic. Thank you so much for the memories. Initially for somebody else, then they had the shot, the goalkeeper can't keep it out, and Germany have won it. The golden goal, game over. Beerhoff, a sensational substitute. Well, there you go. I hope you've enjoyed that little trip down memory lane, and I hope you remember Euro 96 as fondly as I do. It's not a comprehensive look back on the tournament, obviously. If you've got this far, then you realise that I haven't... I haven't looked at everything that happened in that tournament, but that wasn't what I wanted to do. What I wanted to do was remember this tournament and try and emulate how I felt about it at the time. It wasn't about each individual game. It was There was a few overriding memories that I have of it that I wanted to address. It was the, the excitement of it being in the UK. It was on home soil and watching these giants of international football play their games at places like Ellen Road and Hillsborough and the City Ground and Old Trafford. It was the Czech Republic being the epitome of an underdog and taking it to these huge nations and doing it their own way and playing fantastic football to reach the final and then to be cruelly robbed at the final stage. And it was to watch England an England side that we could be proud of, an England side that performed incredibly well, an England side that sh- which captured the nation's heart. It really did. And I say that being a Welshman. It, everyone looks back on this time, I hope, as fondly as I do, because it was, for me, the peak of football. It was... I think why I remember this so fondly is it was when I had started to really fall in love with the game. I'd watched football for it, but the 95, 96, that's when I look back fondly, as as fondly as I can ever remember. The Premier League had ended and that was the year that it was Keegan versus Ferguson, Newcastle versus Manchester United. I'd love it if we beat them. Cantona coming back from his suspension. Beckham taking his first steps onto the pitch. You can't win anything with kids, Alan Hansen. Everything just slotted into place. And for that one, those blissful uh, 10 months, 
11 months. Football was everything. It was everything. And I, I cannot think of a time overall where football has mattered as much to me as I, as I remember it doing that summer. I hope I've done under the circumstances we're all living on some sort of justice to this tournament um i hope you've enjoyed it um if you want to remember euro 96 look back on it there's something brilliant that is happening itv for again for uk listeners itv are adding every single game from the tournament onto itv hub in may i cannot wait i'm going to i'm going to watch every single game i'm going to go back and rewatch it all and hope that it transports me back and hope that I become that 10-year-old child again watching football with with open eyes and being transfixed by these absolute legends by Boban, by Bergkamp, by Kluivert, by De Boer, by Schmeichel, by Blanc. I hope that I can look back on it and I hope it doesn't let me down. And you know what? I don't think it will. Year of 1996. The best international football tournament of all time. The podcast you just heard was me. <laughs> Using it.